Welcome to the Kick Pod, your weekly DNM on the stuff that matters. One, two, three, four. Hey, Lozzie. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. It was a good weekend. That's good. What you got up to? Well, went to the races with you. Yes, that was fun. Yes, we got very wet though. I love uh, how long we didn't last in the after party. We literally, yeah. we were upstairs for about 10 minutes and they were like, let's go get dinner. And then as soon as we sat down, it's like, okay, time to go home. I think it's the shoes. I wore pointy. They're not even extreme ones. Yeah. I feel like there's way more narrow ones. They're quite kind of wide mm. for a pointy shoe. But I said to Steph, I was sitting there, I was like, Steph, I can't <laughs> walk one more metre. My feet felt like mm. I'd had an operation and they'd been put in differently. And every yeah. time I moved, the bone would just like, yeah, which good. wasn't obviously, that was very dramatic of me. Yeah. But it was just like my feet had had it. And I mean, in I had had them on for quite a long time. Yeah. So I thought I did well in them, but I was like, nah, I'm done. I feel like any girl can relate <laughs> when you've been in some painful heels all day and then you finally sit down. It's almost impossible to get back up. Uh, yes. I took them off. I shouldn't have. Sometimes it helps if you take your shoes off, mm. but sometimes it's like, mm. you can't put them back on. Yes. And then Sunday. Oh, yeah. Well, I had to do my take-home exam, but nearly there. Mm-hmm. That's, yep. So that's what I did all day. Sorry, <laughs> Mum. How was your day? <laughs> um, well, my whole weekend's been good. Josh has been on his bus. Yes. In Bali, um, which has been fun. I've been uh, keeping up with what they've been up to on socials and checking in with him every now and again. They seem to be having a lot of fun. I actually don't know how boys do it. Like him and his group of friends... Um, they have a lot of fun like drinking beers and listening to music and I feel like every story I've seen has been the exact same they're all topless they're all like (laughs) dancing with each other around the pool someone's on the DJ deck but they look like they've had like the best time ever but I have I have missed him so I'm excited for him when's he back to come home he's back the morning of um Tuesday morning tomorrow so yeah the morning of tomorrow yeah well it's Wednesday when people (laughs) are listening so I'm trying to like so yesterday yeah he's back yesterday (laughs) um but I am going to the races again but I think I'll probably want to leave early or definitely not go to any after parties and oh so you can see (laughs) what time has he lent he'll get home in the morning so I will see him before I go oh good um but yeah it'll just be good to have him back Love it. Mm. So today's podcast is another goodie from Bronwyn. We're really excited about this one. We think you guys are going to really love this one. Um, We are talking to her about all things fertility. And it was really interesting. Mm. There's so much I didn't know, especially the statistics to do with the chance of actually having um, or getting pregnant when mm. you have a healthy ovulation cycle, yeah. how common miscarriages are yeah. um, and how common infertility is. So yeah. it was really interesting and, and eye-opening and, yeah, mm. her information, as always, is awesome. Mm. So we really hope that you guys enjoy this one. One, two, three, four. Bronwyn, welcome back to the Kickpod. Hi. <laughs> so you've just admitted to us that you didn't listen through to the last podcast. <laughs> we can tell you now that everyone really loved, loved it, it and we definitely loved it. So we're really excited to have you back. Great news. Yeah, great to be back. <laughs> Thank you. So today we're going to be talking about fertility because, I mean, I feel like there's so much unknown and we've got some some great questions here um, lined up. I think everyone's going to, after this podcast, be very aware of the fertile period or what there is to know about it anyway. Yeah. I think the first and obvious question I would like to throw out there is what is the, fer- mo- the most fertile point uh, uh, for a woman of yeah. the month? 
Yeah, great question. So last podcast, I think we had a bit of a chat about the menstrual cycle um, and that we go through, our bodies go through a cycle each month um, where basically the body's preparing for pregnancy. It's releasing an egg uh, into the body, um, getting ready to hopefully meet a sperm um, (laughs) and make a baby, I guess. Um, So during the middle of the month, so in a 28-day cycle, you're looking at, say, day four. Uh, usually the ovary will release an egg after there's been a big surge of estrogen in the body. And that egg sits around for about 24 hours. It travels from the egg through the tube into the into the uterus, um, getting ready to meet that sperm and make a baby. So the fertile part of the month, because sperm lasts up to five days uh, in the body, which is crazy long, mm-hmm. uh, you're looking at about the five days leading up to that ovulation date and that 24 hours post-release of the egg. So you've got about six days in the month mm-hmm. that you're fertile. So it's not much. Mm. Um, it's a pretty specific part of the cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in women that have longer cycles, so if you have like a 32-day cycle, you're looking at about day 18 that you release that egg. So you've just got to shift that five days or that six days a little bit later in the cycle. Make sure you don't miss out if you are planning a pregnancy um, to, I guess, have intercourse, so that time of the month um, and not miss it because some people don't realise that if you have a longer cycle that you're ovulating quite a bit later in the month. Uh, Yeah, so there's uh, different ways you can tell if you ovulate as well. So a few things, you have mucus changes. We don't really like talking about mucus, but you do (laughs) get mucus changes. Uh, So people have uh, like an egg white look um, of the mucus, that kind of colour that is in in a few days leading up to ovulation. You have that um, coming out. Um, So that will give you an idea that they're your fertile days. Mm. Um, The other things you might feel, uh, you might feel a bit of a sharp pain in one of your um, either your left or your right side in your lower tummy, which can be the egg release, the ovulation pain. Um, some people get that, some people don't. It can be quite violent in some women. Mm. I've had people go to the emergency department oh thinking they God. have appendicitis um, or, you know, something crazy going on and it can just be that you've simply re- released an egg and have oh had a bit, a bit of a bleed into the tummy because <laughs> um, some people have, like, quite violent ovulation so they can end up in emergency departments. It's not fun. Goodness. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And there's also over-the-counter ovulation kits. So you can do urine tests to check if you're releasing a hormone called luteinizing hormone, which comes from your brain, and it signals to your um, ovaries to release an egg. Mm. Um, And you can test that, and that will tell you like the day before you ovulate. So that's a really good time to, to look at conceiving as well. So, yeah, and then... You know, once you've hit this fertile period, you hopefully have intercourse somewhere around that time. <laughs> Usually we're saying every second day is, is plenty around that time um, in that five or six days leading up to ovulation. And then you hope that, you know, intercourse happens then and then you've got a two-week wait where nothing really happens. You're like, is <laughs> it happening? Is it not? <laughs> and then you do a pregnancy test um, around the time that you expect to have your period um, two weeks post-ovulation is, is when you should get a positive pregnancy test. Yeah. And this is just a random thought that popped into mind when you were talking about the, the symptoms. Is it true that your libido can spike around the time of ovulation? Yeah, totally. Totally okay. true. Yeah, mm-hmm. not a myth. Uh, so you do have a rise in a few different hormones in your body. So your ovaries are making maximal estrogen, which does increase your libido. Mm. Um, so yes, so the body's very clever in trying to make you get pregnant. <laughs> and also your <laughs> testosterone levels increase around that time as well. So two hormones, which are 
majorly responsible for your libido mm. are at their peak at that time in the month. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Very what clever. Are the, <laughs> what are the chances of getting pregnant in that fertility? Obviously, everyone's yeah. different, but is there an average percentage? Yeah. So we talk about uh, the average healthy couple. Uh, it would be about 20% if they have intercourse around that time of the month. So not 100% like mm. some people think. Mm-hmm. Um, so about 20% if you're nice and healthy and under age 35 uh, would be about the average. So yeah, it takes it takes a few months for most couples, usually about four months for most couples to conceive is the average. If you're talking about a woman who's 40, so a lot you know, older, um, then it can be only 5% each month. So that's a really important fact to be aware of, I guess, when you're planning your pregnancy, not to leave it till you're in your 40s uh, because, you know, your fertility is a lot less uh, as you get older, particularly over the age 37, your, your egg quality grows down a lot, so you're less fertile. So if someone was trying, what would you say is the kind of the period of months you were saying before it can take you know, between two or four kind of months of trying, mm-hmm. um, what's kind of the point where you would get them to seek, um, I don't know, professional's advice that maybe something might be up? Yeah, um, great question. So we usually say four to six months is kind of the average and okay, about yep. uh, 80% of people would conceive uh, after about six months. Okay. So a couple would conceive after. It takes a man and a woman. Yeah. So we talk about a couple <laughs> conceiving. So about 80% will conceive after six months and then about 85% will conceive after 12 months. So that's mm-hmm. around the cutoff. We talk about 12 months being the cutoff for most women who are 35 and under mm-hmm. seeking help because it will take you know a while for some people to get everything right if you think about it it's a miracle Mm. you know we can take an egg and a sperm which Mm. are just little tiny cells which (laughs) meet in in the in the tube of a woman and it grows into the uterus makes you know an embryo and implants into the uterus makes a baby and you grow a baby and you create a human it's it's lots of you know miracle kind of steps that have to happen for for a healthy baby so there's a lot of things that can go wrong along the way so you do have to allow a bit of time for trial and error for the body to kind of sift through the good and the bad mm. so that you create a healthy baby mm. uh, so yeah six months is what we talk about if people are over age 35 to seek help so if you're nice and young yeah give it 12 months um go take a holiday if it's not <laughs> happening after six months maybe that'll do the trick uh, but if you're over age 35 you definitely have less uh egg eggs egg reserve uh, so you do need to seek help a bit earlier if you're over age 35 um, to have a look at what's what's going on there because if you do need to seek fertility help, uh, it's a lot easier to do that if you do it earlier rather than later if you're a bit older. Yeah. Are there any other signs to look out for, especially if you're not trying to have a baby right now, but if you just want to know generally if you're fertile, Yeah. is there any signs that you can kind of that tell you that you are more fertile or less, yeah. like a heavy period or it, yeah. it's hard to tell? Yeah, well, we don't know for sure, Mm. uh, but there are some reassuring signs that you can look out for. So regular periods, uh, if you're having a regular period every month, 25 to 35 day cycles, that's reassuring that you must be releasing an egg. Mm -hmm. You must be releasing an egg each month to have a a period each, each month. So that's really reassuring. Also, if you notice when you ovulate, so we talked about those, you know, feeling 
that sharp pain, that's reassuring that you are releasing an egg each month. So that's great. And periods that are not overly painful and no pain with, uh, you know, deep pain with with intercourse um, is also reassuring that you may not have endometriosis. It doesn't rule it out, endometriosis, but uh, it, it is reassuring if they're not overly painful, uh, which endometriosis can reduce fertility. Being in the healthy weight range helps. Um, and I can't emphasize pe- people that want to conceive you, you shouldn't be smoking. Mm. People that don't smoke, it, it's going to make you a lot healthier and more fertile. Um, and if you're younger, as we spoke before, um, you're more likely to be fertile. But there's really not a single test that we can do to say that you're definitely going to you know, conceive with mm-hmm. no issues. We have a test, which is a blood test uh, called the AMH level or an AMH. Some people do, they just go to the doctor and they say, hey, I want to check if my eggs are okay. So you can do a blood test. I think it costs about $90 mm-hmm. um, to look at how many eggs you have left. So if you're like 35 and going, oh, should I, shouldn't I? You could do a blood test um, to have a look at how many eggs you have. But the problem we have with that is it doesn't tell us about the quality of the mm-hmm. eggs. You don't need lots of eggs. You just need really good quality mm. eggs. Um, and we can't test, we don't have a test to say that your eggs are all good and that they're not faulty. Uh, we do have tests that can also check that your tubes are working, that your, ovary, uh, your uterus looks okay and all that kind of stuff as well. But at the end of the day, we don't know till you try. Mm. Yep. You don't know till you try till that egg and that sperm meets. We don't know that they're definitely going to create a pregnancy or not and we've even had women who have one partner can't get pregnant and then unfortunately situations change and they then meet up with another partner and then they have no issues getting Mm. pregnant so it can be you know that a certain couple are more compatible than others as well and that Mm -hmm. can just take take time um, to get pregnant yeah and for the girls out there who are kind of more interested in the fertile period because they are trying for a baby, what are some simple steps to get them, I suppose, ready for pregnancy? Yeah, so I'd probably say there's about five uh, main areas or key steps that uh, women can do to get pregnant, uh, to get ready for pregnancy. So I think the number one step would be to see your GP, your local doctor mm. um, or a gynecologist prior to conceiving for some pre-pregnancy counselling. Uh, people, A lot of people don't do this, mm. <laughs> but I think it's really useful because, um, yeah, a lot of people don't know that much. They think, oh, you just have to try in the fertile mm-hmm. time and ta-da, you're pregnant. But there's a lot of things we can do to get you healthier and get you more ready for pregnancy. Uh, so they can do, you know, a few tests to, um, you know, check a few different things that your body's ready to go. Um, and they can also check that you don't have any, you know, medical issues that may um, not, you know, be well controlled or um, that you're on any medications that might be um, an issue for pregnancy and, you know, things like that. Um, and, yeah, just check you're ready to go. So that I think that's a really important step. Um Another one is taking a folate supplement. Uh, everyone knows you take folate, um, well, most people do when trying for a pregnancy. But you need to make sure you take that a couple of months before, um, at least two months before we recommend. And the dose is um, 400 micrograms. And that's in most uh, pregnancy multivitamins. Mm. Um, so most women will start taking that a couple of months before. Um, what people don't know, though, is if you're overweight, BMI over 35, over 30, um, or you have 
diabetes or certain medical issues, you actually need a high dose of folate. So that's another reason to go see a GP to check if you need a higher dose of folate or if you have a family history of spina bifida or something like that mm. in the family, you do need to have a higher dose. And there's a few other um, vitamins or uh Think supplements that are useful to take uh, prior to pregnancy as well. Um, one being uh, iodine. So a lot of people know folate to prevent spina bifida, but uh, iodine is one that a lot of people don't know. So mm. you don't just take folate, you also take iodine supplementation. The reason we have to take that is our uh, food supply is really low in that now these days. There's not a lot of nutrients in some of the food we eat, unfortunately. Um, and in the old days, we used to have iodized salt, I don't know mm. if you've heard of that. Mm. Mm-hmm. And we don't use that anymore. It's a bit <laughs> old-fashioned. We just kind of you know, use the sea salt, you know, in the little shaker and um, or people don't even have much salt these days. So um, iodine is really important. And the other one is iron. You can't, you can't go mm. astray taking extra iron prior to a pregnancy because the baby will need to make lots of blood cells. Mm. And so if you top up your iron uh, prior to conceiving, it's, it's, it's a really good way to be rather than already being deficient prior to conceiving because you'll end up really iron deficient during the pregnancy if you don't top that up. Mm. So usually a multivitamin is all you need with all of these things in it. And there are other supplements which help fertility, which we can talk about as well. Mm. And the other one would be getting yourself really healthy. Um your, your body's a machine. You've got to focus <laughs> on, um, you know, getting that really healthy, uh, making sure you uh, have a normal BMI um, if you can because it's really hard to lose weight during pregnancy, not really recommended. So if you're going to plan a pregnancy in 12 months, focus on being in a healthy weight range. If you're underweight or overweight, uh, it's really good to get in that healthy weight range because it will help you not only conceive but also help your pregnancy outcomes. We know that women that are overweight are more likely to have a lot of complications in their pregnancy um, as well as uh, you know, having issues uh, getting pregnant in the first place. And part of getting yourself healthy is exercising regularly. I recommend five times a week, 30 minutes a day um, and moderate intensity for anyone that has either previously been exercising or uh, you know even if you haven't been exercising just start just start mm. with walking each day and then build your way up because uh, it has been shown to help um, your fertility and also pregnancy outcomes if you are re- regularly exercising and then part of being healthy as well is your diet so we talk about a fertility diet um so that incorporates lots of fruits and veggies lots of bright fruit and veggies the the better colours, you know, brighter colours that you can get, the better. Um, You know, if we have lots of uh, fruit and veggies each day, that's going to give us lots of antioxidants, lots of really good vitamins and minerals, which are really good for um, a developing pregnancy. And we talk about a plant-based diet as well, and that doesn't mean vegetarian, but just Mm. lots of plant material. If you can look at having plant foods in every meal of your day, whether it's, you know, grains, uh, complex carbohydrates or lots of, you know, leafy greens, all that kind of stuff. It's really, really good for fertility, all of these things. Um, And minimising your red meat intake, it's not healthy, well, not great for your fertility. We're having lots of red meat and avoiding lots of sugar and additives um, and you know, not too much fat in the diet apart from all the good oils. Like you can have, you know, lots of olive oil, nuts, avocado, fish, all of that stuff is really good. Um, But yeah, just focusing on being really healthy really helps um, 
yourself get pregnant and will will help your um, pregnancy as well. Um, the other thing you need to do is avoid nasties. So caffeine is a big one. I heard that yeah. the other day. I'm so sad. Mm. Oh, I love caffeine. I heard that you can still have it, but like you just Less. have to minimize it. So for the people who are used to having like three or four coffees a day, they're definitely not supposed to have more than one. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. So we know that women that have over one or more than one coffee a day um, are you know, at risk of high miscarriage rate Mm -hmm. and also, um, yeah, just reduced fertility rates. Mm -hmm. So we recommend only one coffee a day. Sorry, guys. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine for Steph. I have two, but, you know. I've been having two a lot lately, but I could definitely get back to one. (laughs) And other nasties like smoking, um, alcohol, excess sugar and even plastics. I don't know if you've heard about that. It's a new kind of thing that we're being aware of. Yep, I have actually. Yeah. I heard, and I don't know if this is true and I don't even know if we can answer this here, but I heard that a lot. This is probably so un so unconnected to what we're talking about, but I actually heard when I was reading up on stuff on like polycystic ovaries and stuff like that, mm. that somewhere down the line, back when our mothers were pregnant with us, totally. and yeah. when plastics wasn't a known issue, yeah. and they were microwaving and heating mm. things up in the plastics that weren't any good, yeah. it wasn't exactly helping. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Is that there is a connection some I, somewhere? I think it is a thing. There's more and more data about okay. what mm. your mum did during pregnancy is affecting the health of your ovaries. It's yeah. Quite okay. frightening. Yeah. Because okay. we had no idea back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. But particularly, yeah, when you're trying to conceive, just don't heat your food in plastic in yep. the microwave. Big no-no. Yeah. If you're going to have water, try and yeah, try and not have too much, you know, plastic around what you're drinking and eating. Mm. Yeah, because it does, it can affect the hormone levels and affect, you know, ovulation. Yeah. So that's the main things. And then um, looking at when you ovulate, which we talked about, timing and where your fertile times are, really focus on. When you're, I mean, if you if you're in a rush, I guess to get pregnant, you don't have to. You can kind of just see what happens if you're pretty chilled about it. But have a look at your cycles, track your ovulation, um, focus on the timing of intercourse leading up to the ovulation time. Um, and if you are on the pill, also I recommend stopping that a couple of months before mm. trying to conceive, um, just to get the lining of your uterus nice and healthy and help regulate your cycles as well. Um, And then you can also then see when you're ovulating and see how long your cycles are and get things um, in order. And you said mm. before to go and see someone to help you conceive. Yeah. Is it important to go to a gynecologist or can you go to a GP? Yeah. What do you recommend? Oh, look, I don't think it really matters as long as there, I think there's a, a lot of amazing GPs out there. Um, they're fantastic. Um, but you want to go to one who has an interest in that area because mm. some people don't, like they, you know, some GPs would only see certain things, um, you know, more interested in men, male health or men's health um, or elderly health. Mm. You probably want to go to someone that has a bit of an interest mm. in pre-pregnancy counselling um, and has a bit of an interest mm. in even early pregnancy management so that you know, you can see that person, you know, once you find out you're pregnant. Um, it's good to see someone that has, and some GPs have an extra qualification, a diploma in obstetrics, so then they have that extra interest. Um, either or, I don't mind, you know, it doesn't really matter. I think just as long as you touch base with someone that knows, um, you know, has an interest in that area. How long do, exactly does it, take to get ready to conceive 
Look, everyone's different. I think if, you know, if women are not particularly in good shape, um, not eating well, a bit overweight or underweight, then, you know, up to 12 months to get mm-hmm. yourself in shape and ready because uh, we know that eggs that are going to be released, it takes about 12 months for those eggs to get ready to be released. So mm-hmm. whatever you're eating, whatever you're doing that 12 months before, the stress that you're exposed to does impact on the, the health of, of those eggs Yeah, that are released. Whereas if you're already healthy, eating well, normal weight range, all of that kind of stuff then probably two or three months is fine and just take your prenatal vitamins and yeah get ready in that way and with exercise I know with pregnancy Mm. you can't start anything extreme or something you've never tried before when you are pregnant but when you're trying to conceive is it important not to change your routine too much as well um look there's no data suggesting that um exercise is is bad for conceiving in fact Mm. it's the opposite Mm. and particularly in women that are overweight we do know it improves fertility outcomes and and chances of Mm. conceiving um yeah but you don't I mean only if it's going to affect your cycles so some people I wouldn't recommend going to run a marathon every weekend (laughs) because that may affect your cycles and may delay ovulation you know in women that lose a lot of weight and have excessive exercise we're talking you know a couple of hours a day Mm. Um, and having that energy deficit, we talk about people that, you know, aren't quite eating enough compared to what they're burning, mm. then that may well affect your cycles. Mm. If you're not eating enough compared to the exercise you're doing, that may well affect you ovulating. And some people can even completely lose their periods mm. and not ovulate because of excessive exercise. But being sensible, like exercising up to an hour a day and eating enough, uh, it, it shouldn't really affect things and it will um, will help your your health and then help your pregnancy outcome um, your pregnancy outcomes and and we know that women that exercise regularly will get pregnant quicker and also um, have better pregnancy outcomes and by that we mean you know less likely to need a, a cesarean um, also you know less likely to get diabetes. Uh, less likely to get blood pressure problems um, and yeah, the babies just come out healthier. So mm. it is really good to start that uh, exercise routine before conceiving. Yeah. Mm. And you spoke about the um, oh-so-sad uh, lowering of your caffeine intake and mm. obviously for those who smoke, having to quit that. Mm. What are other big no-nos for women who are wanting to, I suppose, improve their fertility and who are trying for a baby? Yeah, so smoking, caffeine. There's also drugs as well. Mm-hmm. People don't really know that sometimes, and that's why it's important to see um, a, a, a doctor prior to conceiving. So people that are on things for their skin, like raracutane, some people are on um, epilepsy medications, anti-epileptics. They're not great um, for conceiving or for the pregnancy because they can cause um, abnormalities in the baby. Okay. So best to stop some medications. Some people are on, you know, various different drugs for depression and things, and you just have to make sure you're on the right thing. Some of those, um, there are safer options, so you mm. sometimes switch to safer options. Mm-hmm. Um, even anti-inflammatory drugs, have you heard of that? Nurofen, Voltaren. I know yeah. you can't take it during yeah. pregnancy. Yeah. So is that with conceiving as well? Yeah. Okay. So we know that women who take those drugs, uh, anti-inflammatory drugs, uh, around the time um, that they're trying to conceive or just after, um, it can increase miscarriage rate. Right. Yeah. 
So best to avoid those. That's hard, I suppose, especially if mm. you didn't know. And I, I feel like some people would get a headache and yeah. get pain from it. Yeah, I feel like they'd be so unknown. I never knew that. Yeah. 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 So best to avoid those if you can. I mean, usually, I mean, I see so many women that are like, oh my gosh, I had some neurofin for my headache when I was like not even four weeks. Is that going to harm the baby? It's yeah. not going to. If yeah. you got there, yeah. you, you got a baby in your tummy, you're going to be fine. But yeah, we do know that that can increase miscarriage rate somewhat. Um, being underweight, overweight, we've already talked mm, about yeah. a little bit that can impair things and stress as yeah, well. Okay, mm. I wanted to talk about that yeah. actually because everyone. I mean, even you said before, you know, go on a holiday and relax a little yeah. bit. Does that? That's quite common, isn't it? That I suppose a couple that's been trying to conceive it, it might become a bit more of a stress and a job, and then that isn't helping them at all, is it? Yeah, well, you think about it, you know, if you're running away from a lion or a dinosaur, you know, in the old <laughs> days with all the stress hormones, why would you want to have a baby? Yeah, you, your body wouldn't be thinking about yeah, that. You're yeah, you're conserving energy for other things like running away. Yeah, so um, we do know that stress hormones can um, particularly impair ovulation. Um, so, yeah, best to try and keep those at bay. Easier said than done, mm, uh, you mm-hmm. know don't be stressed it's it's Mm. one of those things everyone's got busy lives and things they need to get done but yeah mindfulness exercise all that helps uh trying to keep things in bay and that's what I was talking about you know watch your cycles or don't sometimes people get so caught up watching their cycles and it becomes really stressful because you're like oh I haven't got pregnant now for four months what Mm. am I going to do it's not working and so all that stress um around fertility um and trying to conceive that can sometimes um, be um, not beneficial and, yeah, kind of be counterproductive when you're trying to conceive. So sometimes it's better not to think about it and then you will just get pregnant. Love that. Mm. What about with the male? Mm, How important takes two to tango, that? hey. Yes. Does he need to be healthy? Absolutely. <laughs> When you think about it, half the baby comes from the male partner, <laughs> so it is really important. We know that obesity, excessive alcohol, smoking, they've all been shown to reduce the quality and quantity of the number of sperm. Mm-hmm. And we're learning more and more about the impact of the man's health on the pregnancy and the baby and the long-term outcomes that can even affect the child's health into adulthood, just like you were talking about mm. with, you know, your mum being exposed to plastics in mm. pregnancy. We know that, you know, sometimes things that a man does prior to, um, you know, a woman getting pregnant, that that can also impact on the child's health as well. We're learning more and more about that and it's 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 an ongoing era of research. Um, yeah, so it's important that they get healthy like you do. <laughs> if you're, you know, planning for a pregnancy, it's important to drag your partner along for that bit of exercise and make sure he's not, you know, drinking too much each weekend and, and that'll definitely help your chances. Cool. So it's not, mm. I suppose, like for them, uh, seeing as they're not the ones carrying <laughs> the baby once once it conceives, conceiving parts happen, it's more, more on the woman. But mm. you would say that it's just as important for a guy to, to look after their health as, as it would be a woman when yeah. they are trying to conceive. Yeah, totally. We know that in in people that have trouble conceiving, um, up to half of the people um, or the couples that are having issues, it's due to the sperm Mm, um, being the issue, so all the male factor. So, yeah, it's definitely important for them to be healthy as well. They can't be the lazy ones. (laughs) That's so interesting. I always thought all the pressure was on the female to Mm. be in the best shape and as fertile as possible, but yeah. Mm. 
That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and I know you went into it before, but yeah. I suppose because we've started talking about the guy as mm. well and their invo- involvement, I suppose it's just as important for them to check their fertility. What was that period of time again where if they've both been trying for so long mm. and it's not happening and it might not be, I suppose, our eggs or the woman's egg, is it the same amount of time for a guy for them to go check their fertility as well? Yeah, well, when we talk about fertility, we talk about the couple. Yeah. Um, you know, is, is they both making up the the parts of the pregnancy. Uh, so, yeah, I think as a couple, uh, we get usually you'll go and see a fertility specialist or a gynecologist after that six or 12 months, depending on the age of the woman. Mm. Um, it's the age of the woman more than the age of the man. Unfortunately, okay. men are fertile for a bit longer than women <laughs> are. You've probably heard of yeah older, yep. older dads that are a bit more fertile than we can be in our 50s and things. Um, yeah, so after six months, if you're over 35 or 12 months, if sorry, six months over 85 or 12 months if under 35, um, mm. yeah, go seek help as a couple. Um, and then they'll often do, you know, some baseline bloods, checking that you're ovulating, um, taking a bit of a history about when you're having intercourse, um, things like that, um, checking that you're doing it at the right time um, and checking if there's any risk factors for endometriosis. Um, they can also do... Um, some things testing uh, the sperm, so they will, you know, at that, you know, check check a semen analysis. So they do a sample and check the number of sperm, the motility of the sperm, what they look like, if mm. they look normal, if they don't look normal. It's quite funny in a in a semen analysis, you only need four percent of sperm to look normal for yeah, it to right. be a normal sample. So okay. that means lots can be abnormal. So yeah, they do test um, a semen sample. Um, but yeah, look, a lot of the testing often goes into the into the woman, but the man does still need to get tested because up to half of of the cause can be um, due to the male factor. Mm. Yeah. Before we finish up, I kind of want to touch on, I suppose it's a sensitive topic for sure, um, on miscarriage because we did mention it earlier. Yeah. And I think it's super important. I, I have friends who have had miscarriages. Yeah. Um, and... I think the older I'm getting, the more I'm understanding how, of how common it is. And that, of course, there is some factors that can come into play, like what you said before. But do you want to speak a little bit about, do you have yeah. any facts on how common it is? Or Yeah, I'm so glad you brought this up, actually. <laughs> I was going to make, hopefully, yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because um, it is so common. Mm. Um, I obviously, you know, I work in obstetrics and gynecology and I see patients you know, all the time with miscarriage mm. and they're like, but no one told me about this or I've never heard of this. And yeah. and it's really isolating because mm. no one talks about it. Yeah. Um, but it's so, so common. Mm. Uh, about one in four pregnancies end in miscarriage. Yeah. Really? Yeah. 25%. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh my it? goodness. Crazy. Yeah. Um, that percentage increases if you're older. Mm-hmm. So if you're like over 40, it's probably one in two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's very common. Mm. Um, so it's so common. Mm. Um, look, a lot of them happen really early. So yep. four or five weeks, you just have a period a few days late and you're like, oh, something's up there um, or is a bit heavier than normal and you're like, oh, yeah. 
Um, so a lot of them do fortunately happen really early between four and five weeks and you just have a bit of a late period Mm -hmm. and that's the body's kind of natural way of sifting through the good and the bad. Yeah. Okay. You think about it, it's better to find out or, you know, lose the pregnancy really early than get to 20 weeks and find really, really bad things or Mm. really major abnormalities that you have to make really tough decisions. Yeah. So it is really common. Um, but I guess the thing to, the, the way to frame it is that, um, the body is, yeah, it's a quality control thing. The yep. body's really clever at yep. checking what's normal and what's not. Yeah, There's lots of causes for miscarriage, but the most common is that there's just an abnormality there that's not compatible with yep. life and not compatible with an ongoing pregnancy. If we test every pregnancy, um, which we don't, but if we tested every pregnancy that ended in miscarriage, it's often where there's an extra chromosome. Okay. So I don't know if you know, you know, but we have 46 chromosomes in all our cells mm. in our body. Mm-hmm. Um, and often there's, you know, 47 in, in somehow during that meeting of the sperm and the egg, mm. uh, there's been an extra chromosome snuck in there. Mm. And so like you might have an extra chromosome 16 or an extra chromosome 17 or extra chromosome five. And then the body's like, Hey, there's something wrong here. Um, and yeah, it'll often just stop growing and then the body will recognize that all the hormones will drop um, and then you'll get bleeding mm. um, if it's really early on. Sometimes it unfortunately goes a little bit further. Mm-hmm. So that past that four or five week mark um, and, you know, people might have their first dating scan at seven, eight weeks mm. to check that usually there's a heartbeat at six to seven weeks. Yeah. Um, check that everything's okay. Um, and at that scan, they might find that there's not a heartbeat yeah. or it's not as far along as we yeah. thought. And then that can be classed as a miscarriage as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's different types of miscarriage, whether it happens itself um, or whether it kind of is just found on scan, yep. um, which we call a missed miscarriage, which is just sitting there and not giving you any signs. So it's mm. really, it's not nice because you think you're pregnant and then you have a scan and then you know, you don't necessarily have bleeding. Mm-hmm. And then we find that, um, yeah, it stopped growing. Um, and then sometimes it'll happen itself where you need to have procedures to kind of make it come out. Yeah, I think it's, mm. it's. I mean, it's it's so sad, but it's also I just hope that anyone that would be going through it or is going to go through it or has gone through it um, to know how, how common and how kind of normal it is I suppose and um, that they haven't always done something wrong you know it's not always got to do with those things we were talking about before is big no-nos they could be the healthiest person in the world and it can still happen it's just the body filtering it out I think that's so important I never knew that I thought miscarriages were always caused by something something that you did in Mm. your pregnancy so the fact that definitely not they're not most of the time no that's so interesting it's usually really healthy people really normal healthy people you know trying you know, doing all the right things, yeah. taking their prenatal vitamin, doing everything right, even seeing their doctor, got all the tests and got everything ready. Um, and then, yeah, it's 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 just one of these things. It's a chance thing, really. Mm. Um, you know, some people, are, some people are really lucky. They can go and have four healthy children and no miscarriage. Mm. They're really, really lucky. But mm. more often than not, a lot of people that have had a few children have also had a miscarriage Mm. so you Mm. you ask around and so many people have have been through it they don't Mm. talk about it of course um but yeah it's really super common um and yeah the main thing is that people need to know that um it it's common we need you know we should talk about it Mm. so that people aren't alone when they have to Mm -hmm. go through that and 
um, yeah, uh, it's you know, not much you know you can do a lot of the time. It's just the body's body's way of uh, quality control. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just part of life, I guess. Yeah, okay. Yeah. There's not a number, is there, of like, you know, if you've had a certain number of miscarriages, mm. then there must be something wrong, or is it just that's just the luck of it? Mm. Is, is is there a number that people should, you know, probably seek yeah. some help? Yeah. Well, yeah. It also has something to do with, yeah, how many you've had, and if you've had healthy children before okay, as well. Yeah. Um, we usually say if you've had three miscarriages in a row, you should definitely seek help. Yep. I mean, you probably usually have already mm. seen a GP, but you may want to see a gynecologist or a fertility specialist. Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, some people, uh, you know, have had the four kids, no issues. Some people, uh, you know, 25 and had three miscarriages. It's a bit more worrying. Yep. Um, but, yeah, we usually say three if you've mm-hmm. had three miscarriages, particularly in a row, mm-hmm. um, to go get checked because there is a small number of people that have reversible causes okay. that we can do blood tests for and scans and things um, and testing on the mum and dad because sometimes people have, you know, different combinations of chromosomes that mm-hmm. may be leading to that that we can do something about. You know, sometimes we can, sometimes we can't. Uh, but definitely if it's three, um, then, yeah, you should probably seek help, Okay. Um, whether it's a, a gynecologist or a fertility specialist. A fertility specialist is a gynecologist that has extra training in fertility, so mm-hmm. they're the ones that do IVF as well as, like, looking into why people have miscarriage and, and also, um, yeah, people that can't get pregnant. One last question to throw out there at you because it just popped into my brain. Um, this actually popped up quite a lot on my, I, I did a little question poll the other week for, um, knowing that we were going to have you on and, and, and Chantelle as well, who we're going to have on as well. And they asked if being on the pill for a certain amount of time affected their fertility. That's a good question. It doesn't. No. Oh yeah. <gasps> no one can see Bronwyn. Yes, She's shaking she- her head right now. <laughs> I am so surprised by that because I feel like it's just, it's almost like Chinese whispers mm. that your friend tells your friend and your friend tells you no. and that the longer you're on the pill, the less fertile you're going to be. Well, the longer you're on the pill, the older you get. So, yes, it's true in the way that you're older. <laughs> yeah. So if you're on the pill to 40, yeah, you've of got course. issues there. Yeah, yeah. I keep saying 40 like it's old, but infertility land, it is older, mm. you know. Um, no, you can go on the pill for 10 years and then come off the pill, have a few cycles, get back to normal um, and then have no issues conceiving it's a temporary thing it's kind of it kind of does I guess uh switch off your ovaries whilst you're on it Mm. but it doesn't mean that your eggs are gonna disappear or (laughs) that the lining's never gonna get back to normal again yes when you're on the pill your lining gets thin but it doesn't mean that after two cycles of normal hormones once your ovaries switch back into gear that you can't have a normal lining and you can't Mm. have a healthy pregnancy so it's absolutely rubbish. <laughs> really. I, love it. I love it. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, what's the word? Little fertility uh, class. What is it? It's a ha- not a hack when you myth busting myths. Yes, I don't know yeah. why I said a hack. <laughs> yeah, I think I think for me, what I always kind of believe because I didn't believe that it. I mean, I think definitely I've read things in the past that I've been like, oh my god, yeah, that mm. must be true. Yeah. So I suppose I did believe it at one point, but I think what I kind of came to for my own personal. Um, thing that happened with me with polycystic ovaries was yeah. all the pill was doing for me yeah. was masking. masking the fact that yeah, I had totally. that. And yeah. so when totally. I came off the pill was yeah. when I learned that I'd had it. So exactly. for me, yeah. that connection was more yeah. like, okay, it was good that I got off the pill because I learned yeah. that I had that and then I yeah. worked everything out. Yeah. 
But I suppose it's good to know that it's still safe to take it. It's not the pill that got me that way, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, it will mask things. So if you have an underlying issue, Mm. um, you may not know you have endometriosis. Mm. You may not know you have, you know, particularly polycystic ovarian Mm. syndrome is a really common one that people go on the pill because they've got bad skin and Mm. they're ovulating so they're not having periods. And it does kind of... Yeah, I mean, it doesn't fix your polycystic ovarian syndrome, but it will fix a lot of the symptoms. Yes. Um, But once you come off it, then if you're not having periods, yes, you're masking something, but it doesn't mean the pill was the problem. Was the reason, exactly, yeah. Yeah, there's a bit of an anti-pill movement at the moment. (laughs) Um, Yeah, look, the pill has its time and place. It's not for everyone, but um, it's not dangerous to be on the pill if you need it for contraception. What's more dangerous is not being on the pill and having an unplanned pregnancy Mm, when you don't want one. And you're not ready for it. And then having to deal with that. That's not fun for anyone. So yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a great form of contraception for plenty of people, especially younger people that don't want to have a baby yet. Mm. I have one question on that. Mm. Are things like the morning after pill and, and oh, having true. an abortion, do they decrease your chance of having a fertility. healthy baby or does it change yeah. affect your fertility? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, morning after pill, no. Um, we know that if you do use a morning after pill, though, that you have a higher chance of miscarriage with that pregnancy if mm-hmm. it doesn't work mm-hmm. because it works by – there's two different types of morning after pill, but they do kind of block the hormones that make things healthy. Okay. So it can – you know, if it doesn't work, which a lot of them do work, but if it doesn't work, then that pregnancy may still end in miscarriage, Okay, if that makes sense. Using it a morning after pill once isn't going to affect your fertility in the future though, no. Mm-hmm. Um the other question was, was it termination? Having a yeah, termination. Yeah. Um, terminations, there's kind of two ways you can have a termination um, early pregnancy. One is, it's quite new, but it's there's medical management where people take tablets. Okay. I don't know if people know that, but yep. it is available now um, in Australia, probably. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. But also the other way is that people can have um, a procedure, mm-hmm. which is a surgery called a curette or a suction DNC or a DNC. There's lots of names for it. Mm. Um, but that's a way of um, terminating a pregnancy, which is a day procedure, surgery, opening the cervix, mm. cleaning things out. And look, a one-off, one-off termination, most likely not going to cause issues, mm-hmm. but occasionally it depends where you get it done mm-hmm. that's why we're saying preventing pregnancy is better than you know of having course. unplanned um there have been people that i've seen that have got scarring on their cervix or in their uterus and mm-hmm. do have complications in pregnancy from that it's not okay. common but it is one of the risks okay yeah and is there a limit on the morning after pill? That I, that's something I've heard that you shouldn't well, take. how many times? No, have I haven't. I actually have never taken it because I'm scared of it. <laughs> no, um, I, I did. Never, I had that. I reckon in that? high school I learned it because I took it twice in high school and I learned don't take it any more times than three times, otherwise you'll never be able to have a baby. And I, I don't know. Yeah, I suppose is that is that bollocks or? I've never heard that. Okay. But I mean, you've got to think about why you're taking it and maybe you just need to work <laughs> on that stupid. regular contraception rather than <laughs> absolutely than taking the morning after pill relying yeah. on it. I wouldn't rely on it. Yeah, there's yeah, there's much better ways it's probably to manage things than taking the morning after pill all the time. Do what it does. Yeah. It's probably not a great thing to be taking regularly. I wouldn't anyway, be taking for it your body, no definitely way. Definitely not. And you gotta think about 
Mm. kind of STDs and stuff as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> if, you, if you're not using 100%. stuff. Yeah. We have yeah. to say we, yeah. everyone listening, safe sex is very, yeah. very oh, extremely important. Very important. Yeah. Um, on that note, <laughs> thank you so much for the chat. I feel like I've actually learned so much yeah. and um, I know that a lot of these questions will be common common ones that a lot of us out there and a lot of the girls listening would really appreciate your answers. So thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having me again. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, all of you people who aren't expecting to get pregnant, be careful out there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and hopefully if you're trying, this has helped you out as well. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed that very insightful chat from Bronwyn. Now it's time for question of the week. Yes, and this one is from Ali this week. I love this one. What is your favourite movie? But it, we'll do it at the moment. Okay. Because okay. I feel like we've spoken about our favourite movie quite a bit. So let's do our favourite movie at the moment. Well, I wouldn't say this is my favourite, but a really good one I watched just recently, um, which was super easy to watch. It was a Netflix movie called To All the Boys I've Loved Before. And it's like one of those classic rom-com high school settings, like junior year. Uh, it was Aww. really it was really cute and really easy to watch and fun. And the guy, the both guys, actually all the guys in it, but the main guy's really cute. Love it. Was it a Netflix original? Or <laughs> I, think it? It, I think it is. When it's got the like end next N. to it. Yeah. So it must be a Netflix original. They make fantastic mm. movies. I, f- I feel like they do and they don't. I've never watched it. No, I, I haven't I didn't like that one with, uh, see, I love Jennifer Aniston, but that one that they did with her and Adam Sandler that was like about a murder, I felt was well, the worst I've movie I've that. ever seen. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, but that's the, that's what I would recommend for now. If you want like an easy kind of one to watch with the girls, it's, it's good. Love it. I watched last night. Holiday in the Wild. Yes, you posted about it. It was so good. I will actually watch it over three nights because I was just you watch that. Well, because I was trying to get my study done, so I was like, I'll just watch like a little oh my God. <laughs> to record I don't know how myself. you do that. Um, yeah, Holiday in the Wild. It's with uh, the character from Sex and the City, Charlotte, mm-hmm. um, and another a guy that looks like Chris Hemsworth, but it's not him. Okay. And he's older. Uh, but it's, it's really, it's actually about elephants and mm. she moves and... To this to Africa um, after something happens in her life and li- lives with the elephants and it's just really nice and oh, I just nice. cried a lot but it's just but it's happy tears like okay. it's just such a beautiful, beautiful movie. movie and it makes you feel good and it made me want to move to Africa and live with elephants <laughs> it was just so sweet <laughs> nice unlikely that yeah. you could do that right now uh, probably not but <laughs> I highly recommend. <laughs> Well, thank you for that beautiful recommendation. And thanks for your question. Uh, generally, for our questions of the week, you'll randomly see me pop into our stories between Monday and Wednesday. No, not Wednesday. It's up by Wednesday. Tuesday. Monday and Tuesday. Um, and then sometimes if, if one week we get a lot of good ones through, we'll, we'll save them for the next week. So thanks for listening. You can find us, as always, on our Instagrams at keepitcleaner, at laura.henshaw, at Smith, and, of course, our website, www.keepitcleaner.com. Dot AU. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.